Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 22 of Retro Hangover. of the internets welcome to retro hangover episode 22 it's a spooky edition of retro hangover this is your co-host chris copeline bringing you cool kooky crazy crackheads calling considerable condensation constantly condescending could conquer castlevania convincingly here's cardiovascularly quaffing shane koski the cocky guy (laughs) damn it you had to throw that in there anyway didn't you (laughs) <laughs> and so for, for those of you, this, here's your, this is your edification for, for this episode, because never let it be said that you don't learn anything when listening to Retro Hangover. Cardiovascularly quaffing is also just a, an overly fancy way of saying drinking blood, right? Yes. It's, it's the, it's the vampires, man. To be it's clear. Halloween. To be yeah. clear, the word is quaffing. Quaffing. Yes. Quaffing. Starts with a Q. Doesn't sound like it, but does. Uh-huh. Yes. There you go. Do not confuse all it for right. any other words. <laughs> I mean, you can, but you'd be wrong. But that's all right. So, Chris. <laughs> yes. How's it going, man? Uh, what you up to? Uh, recovering from eye surgery. Oh, yeah. Your eyeballs want to jump out of your skull. Yes. So I heard. So yeah. I, in terms of, I'm not going to be speaking much about video games because I haven't played any real video games this week due to uh, work and the fact my eyeballs are... Uh, in fuego it's worth it though so i'm going to be able to see 2020 for pretty much the rest of my life without classes so there's that yeah um wasn't able to play the game in question for today's episode uh which is castlevania but um for the n64 of course but um yeah tried to isn't going to work out but i remember the game well enough so hopefully i can provide some interesting dialogue for this conversation and we are going to have a good episode how about you shane how have you been doing uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, going into a particularly busy next couple, well, about week and a half or so. Um, and tomorrow, actually, I am, well, tomorrow as of we're recording this, although ideally this will be out same day. Um, cause I got, I got that quick turnaround time, but we'll mm. see how that goes. But, uh, flying out for a work trip. Uh, so I'm going to be in New Orleans, uh, for a week. Uh, at a conference, as a matter of fact. So, uh, looking forward to that. It's actually, I think it's going to be a good time. They got some, some pretty fun stuff planned, um, to go along with a lot of the more educational sessions and stuff like during the day. So, and for me, it's actually my first like big work trip, even though I've kind of been in the industry for like, well, about a decade now, I guess, which kind of makes me feel old, but that's fine. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so looking forward to that. I'm taking, well, of course my phone. So I got my mobile games with me, probably going to bring my switch, uh, as well. So I'll, if I've got some free time, like in the evenings after the sessions and stuff, probably get some, some gaming in there. But, uh, but yeah, man, that's, that's what I got going on right now. Sorry. My dog came in. He wants to podcast too, apparently. (laughs) Awesome. Guest, (laughs) guest speaker. (laughs) Guest Barker. Um, (laughs) Uh, so yeah, glad to hear you're going on a trip. You're going to like Seattle or something, right? Uh, well, actually, yeah, I didn't, I didn't touch on that part, but, 
Um, so the work trip is to New Orleans for the conference, and then I'm leaving directly from New Orleans uh, this upcoming Friday to Seattle. Um, and just gonna meet up with my girlfriend there, and we're spending the weekend and taking a long weekend because they're taking Monday off because that's when we travel back. Um, but we've got a uh, steampunk convention that we're going to in Seattle, which uh, is probably going to be a lot of fun. So I am sure that we will take plenty of pictures. I'm sure. I mean, if you want to go, I mean, you probably might not even have the time for it. I and mean, it's just if you do, though, that's the best place to find old gaming stuff just because of Microsoft headquarters being up around that area. Same with Nintendo. You can find some really good gaming like antiquities up there in the Seattle region. Yeah, well, we're we're kind of purposely making some time to do mm-hmm. uh, at least a little bit of stuff around the Seattle area other than just the con cuz neither one of us have actually been up there before. Right. Uh and and when we were looking through things to do, there there were at least a couple of pretty decent looking uh like arcades and stuff that it, uh, time permitting, we'll probably try to check out. Absolutely. I mean, you always got the space needle too. I mean, Seattle's a really great area and, and you're lucky enough to go to New Orleans. So you better not squander that. You better get some good food, get some good crawfish, get some bread pudding, all that good stuff. Uh, oh yeah, man. No, the, the diet is out the window for New Orleans. That's, I've already come to terms with that. <laughs> yes. You absolutely have to. Um, yeah, but it'll be totally worth it. Uh, before we get to our episode, I want to give a brief shout out to Nintendo Seconds and LP Tiger, uh, for letting yes. me uh, pontificate on his podcast for this weekend. Uh, so if you haven't heard of it, Nintendo Seconds, it's available on all your podcasting channels that we are on as well, like Google Podcast and iTunes. So go ahead, check it out. Nintendo Seconds. I did a spot this week. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a five-minute podcast that gives the news of the day that he tries to update it daily. Check it out. It's good quality. And there you are, Nintendo Seconds. Check it out for mine and stay for the rest. There you go. All right, so Chris, you're gonna you're gonna lead us into this one. So, uh, so what are we what are we talking about today? Today, what is we... the topic du jour? Okay, so it's October, so we have to get a little spooky. I don't know if I said spooky, that right. Scary skeletons, yeah, uh, spooky mm-hmm. scary skeletons. So we're gonna get a little spooky, and we're gonna go with Castlevania. You know, we're gonna go with uh, a spooky version of Castlevania, one that scares even its most ardent of fans, and that's Castlevania for the Nintendo sixty four. Which you probably will be constantly here referred to as Castlevania 64. You probably call it Castlevania 64 yourself. But it's not called Castlevania 64. It's called Castlevania, unfortunately, for the original Castlevania. Because that one is so much better. So, today, that is what we'll be talking about. Um, like I said, I haven't been able to play it. I haven't been able to play it in a few years. Um, my eyes are failing me, so I wasn't able to hook up the Nintendo 64. Shane kind of played it through some... Other means, however, they are completely legal because he does own an original copy, from what I understand, don't you, Shane? Yes, I, yeah, let, I would like to make that known. I do, in fact, still have my original release N64 with an original copy of, of Castlevania 64. I uh, just had the unfortunate happenstance of pulling it out of storage to do this and realizing that the power brick for it is shot. So I've got another one coming in the mail that actually should be showing up in a couple days. So my, my N64 will be up and going again. But yes, I, I do, in fact, have a legit copy. So take that. I dropped my TV on a Nintendo 64 and it still worked meme. In yeah. any case, in any case, Shane is going to give us a brief history of Castlevania for the Nintendo 64. Go ahead, Shane. 
Transylvania in 1852, the province of Wallachia. In this time of peace and plenty, no one foresees the return of ancient horrors. But the old legends live, and soon the land will again be plunged into darkness. The people have returned to the path of wickedness, and the bonds that seal their evil ruler's spirit are weakening. Deep in his castle, he stirs from a century of enforced sleep. Count Dracula awakes. Reinhard Schneider, heir of the ancient Belmont clan of vampire hunters, his blood dooms him to oppose the might of Count Dracula. Wielding the holy whip of his ancestors, the young vampire killer begins his quest. Carrie Fernandez, a young girl gifted with great magical powers. Sensing Dracula's return, she sets off alone to the dark castle. Now she must wield her inherited power in the fight against evil. Castlevania, or Devil's Castle Dracula, The Apocalypse, in Japan, was unleashed upon the North American public on January 26, 1999. Developed by Konami's Kobe Division, it would make mark the first time the Castlevania series took the leap into 3D. The game was first seen publicly during a sneak peek event at the 1997 Tokyo Game Show, under the moniker Castlevania 64, a name that would, unofficially, become synonymous with the game ever after, despite the official release name of simply Castlevania. During development, the project was internally referred to as Dracula 3D. The following year would see Castlevania make a return to TGS, this time boasting several playable levels. Reception of the demo was overwhelmingly positive. Later in that very same month, Konami would reveal that they had decided to drop two of the four planned playable characters, in favor of focusing on completing the game in a more timely manner. Castlevania 64, much like its predecessors, is primarily an action-adventure platformer. Unlike earlier titles, however, combat employs a targeting and lock-on system to assist the player with fighting in a 3D space. Progression through the game is fairly linear, with an emphasis on exploration and puzzle solving. With no in-game map, players are left to rely on their memory of each level as they move forward. Castlevania also features an internal clock, resulting in a day-night cycle that has certain effects on key characters and events throughout the game. The development team at Konami drew inspiration from many real-world locations for the architecture found in Castlevania, predominantly French castles. For instance, Dracula's castle itself is based heavily upon the famous Mont-Saint-Michel on the coast of Normandy. There's your Canadian Post-release, critical reception to the game was somewhere between positive and mixed. Many games journalists praised the title for its 3D graphics and sweeping soundtrack. Several others, however, criticized the game for its often unwieldy controls and cumbersome camera. Though perhaps a rough start, Castlevania would pave the way for many future 3D installments in the venerable series, for better or worse. Castlevania would go on to have an expansion-packed type re-release in the form of Castlevania Legacy of Darkness that was also released for the Nintendo 64, which included a completely new playable character in addition to the original cast, albeit with new level designs. While not necessary to play the game, it did have an option for the use of the N64 expansion pack for better textures. Despite receiving lower critical scores at the time, 
it's now regarded as better than the original Castlevania for N64, despite being relegated to the obscure footnotes of history outside of more hardcore Akumajo Dracula and N64 fans. Castlevania for the N64's plot, in terms of series lore, has always been considered non-canon by Konami, much like other titles in the series, such as Castlevania Legends for the Game Boy, Circle of the Moon for Game Boy Advance, and Lords of Shadow for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. And that is your brief history of Castlevania 64. All right, so that was your history of Castlevania 64 there in a nutshell, uh, very detailed. Uh, so let's let's get some things straight right off the bat. Yes. Castlevania, uh, for the Nintendo 64, Castlevania 64 for brevity, is not a good game. It's just not, it's, it's not a good I game. I disagree. Okay, you can disagree. Um, <laughs> I would say, okay, if the game was released in 1996... I, I could say it was good for the time. You're talking about a game that was released two years after Symphony of the Night. I want to have a response to that, but I like <laughs> I know you're right, but so it's it's a good it's not even a good first effort. I would I would have to say <laughs> it's not even a good first effort for 3D. We're talking about a game that was released three years after Mario 64. We're talking about a game that was released what uh, Ocarina of Time came in 98 or 97. I think it came out in 97. So it came after two years after Ocarina Time. It tried to borrow heavily from both when you had the, like essentially the Z targeting from Ocarina. In fact, if anything, they're trying to borrow heavily from Ocarina. Not only is it graphically inferior to Ocarina, but it controls inferior to Ocarina. I know that's not set, that that's a pretty high bar to set because it is one of the greatest N64 games of all time, if not one of the best games of all time in Ocarina of Time, especially for its time. But Castlevania yeah. 64 completely missed the mark. And it felt like a game that should have been released as a launch title for the N64 or a, a title that came out two years after the PlayStation launched. It it, it just completely missed it. Yeah, I mean, okay, I, I, I'm half joking when I say that it's not a bad game. A, a lot of that is just my nostalgia talking. And, like, objectively, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it's... It's not great. There, there are there are a number of glaring shortcomings in that game. A few of which you've you've kind of already pointed out. But I will say that for what it's worth, I think the game has gotten a little bit harsher of a bad rap than I think maybe it deserves. It's it's not fantastic, and it's certainly not going to win any awards or anything. I mean, I I, I actually don't think it did. No. Um. <laughs> but uh. It's not like it's unplayable. So, um, so I think before, before we go really deep into some of the specifics, um, let's, uh, you, you want to talk a little bit about our own personal experiences with the game? Cause I know we've got a lot to say on some of the more finer details, which I think we can get into in a minute. But, um, but so Chris, what was like, how did you first come across Castlevania 64. Were you there like around that same time or or did you come to it later? Uh, I, I got it at launch, actually, if I remember correctly, or right around launch period. I was okay. super hyped. I was a huge Castlevania fan at the time, um, mostly in part to Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Like I said, it came out in 97. I got Castlevania sure. Symphony of the Night the, the year it was released. I didn't get it at launch because I was kind of oblivious to it being a new release. Um, I was, I was more of an N64 head and an RPG fan. 
and uh, Symphony of the Night kind of went unnoticed for me, but then I saw it, Castlevania, the name had its uh, legacy written in there, uh, I remember playing Castlevania 4 and loving it, I remember playing Castlevania 3 as a kid and loving it, um, so I was a huge Castlevania nut based off of Symphony of the Night, I had an N64, and I was so hyped for this game. And to be honest, when I played it back in 99, it's not that I hated it, but there's a lot of things I didn't like about it. Um, the fact that you have to use a memory card. Any game that has to use a memory card on the Nintendo 64 is just trash, because the Rumble Pack was out by then. Like, you had the Rumble Pack. You had battery backup. How does... Anyway, I'm, I'm going to go off on a tangent here we can get to later. But, um... It wasn't that I was disappointed. There's a lot of cool things in there, like uh, uh, skeletons on bikes, which everyone makes fun of, but I thought was just cool. I thought the, the the soundtrack, when it had a soundtrack, was solid. The opening intro to Castlevania is probably one of the best intros for any Castlevania game ever released, and, and musically, it's probably one of the best intros, period, for, mm-hmm. for a game to get you hyped up for the experience. And unfortunately, it gets you so hyped up. If you get that hyped up, you're going to find out... Um, it's going to plummet quickly, more so now than back then, of course. Uh, back then, it was it was just another game. Uh, it, you could tell it wasn't as good as the other games, but going back to playing it, or I watched my kid play My kid played it more recently than I have. And watching him play that and just going through the controls, I'm like, holy crap, how could I even stomach this back in 1999? Uh, with the glut of quality of games that was out at the time. So yeah, I was super hyped for it. Uh, Legacy of Darkness came out, I believe, the same year. It, it did come out in 99 as well. So, like, that's pretty much Konami. They came out and pretty much said, yeah, we're sorry about this. Uh, we didn't mean it. Here's another game. Um, but I didn't pick that up well, just because that, I already had it. Kind of the, so. That's kind of the fucked up thing, though, right? Because, I mean, nowadays, well, especially with digital distribution and things like that, you would you would suppose that if a, ga- if a company was going to release basically a better version of an existing game that you know a lot of the time especially that close to release that either should be just like a free upgrade for existing users or existing owners get like a very deep discount on like the new version right or something to that effect so while it might have been konami being like yo we we kind of we kind of dropped the ball on this so here's here's a better version I mean, they still charged full price for the damn thing, you know? It, it was Final Fantasy fourteen before Final Fantasy fourteen even happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically. They yeah. completely rebooted the damn game and said, here's a new one. Except, yeah, you're right. Without digital distribution, no one's going to be the wiser. And everyone, you know, anyone with a brain would be like, why would I buy this new thing that you just released? It's just one extra character. It costs just as much as the previous one. Like, what the hell, man? Uh, Anyway, your personal experiences with the game chain, because I think I've gone on like a rant-like thing. (laughs) Uh, So mine was a little different. Um, I I don't... I want to say I think I actually did get it on release as well, because I I didn't have as much love for the Castlevania series, I think, at that time, um, as I do now. But I was... I was at least I was very into the uh, you know into the aesthetic uh, of the game. Goth guy. Yeah, well, what can I say? Hey, listen, you're <laughs> talking to you're talking to the guy who in like seventh grade or something wore like corn t-shirts to school every day. Okay, so um, yeah. I think we yeah. all did. Yeah, well, not yeah. all, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that that's a that's a darker time. 
But anyway, um, yeah, so I, I got it when it came out and I, you know, I gotta be honest, I actually liked it then. Like I, I think I overlooked a lot of its flaws, partially because I was much, much younger, obviously. And, and the other thing was that was still around the time when you only had a limited number of games to play as a kid. Like right. it's not, it's not like today, you know, where again, going back to like digital distribution, it's an amazing thing and I'm glad that we have it. Uh, but it's kind of like, it's the Netflix problem, right? Where you've got so many choices that you don't actually know what to pick. Um, and you get decision paralysis and then you just end up watching the office again for like the eighth time or whatever. But, um, back then, you know, that was like one of maybe, I don't know, man, like half a dozen games that I had at my disposal, uh, you know, not including things that we would go and rent at like the local blockbuster. So I kind of just dealt with it <laughs> and I, I didn't really recognize how lacking the game was in a number of ways. Cause I think I just, I was, I just took it as it was. I was just like, you know what? It is what it is. Um, the game is hard to control and platforming in a 3d space really sucks in most cases. Like, Mario 64 is sort of like, you know, the, the penultimate like example of early 3D platforming and I suppose how to get it right. Uh, Castlevania 64 is not. And it was infuriating, especially with the controls being as imprecise as they were and the N64 controller being as fucking wonky as it, as it was. Which again was another thing that I just, I, I got really, really good at using an N64 controller because that's all I had. And I never had anything really to compare to other than, you know, a Super Nintendo or something, but it, it was fine to me. And so I, I actually played Castlevania 64 to completion, dude, I don't even know, several times to the point where like I saw the different endings based on, you know, the, the day night cycle running through it's, it's something like a certain number of in-game days passes, then you get a different ending and that kind of stuff. So, um, so I saw like the different end bosses and did a lot of exhaustive exploring through all the levels. So I kind of know that game in and out. Um, but like I said, it's basically because I didn't really have a whole lot of other choices. So, my personal viewpoint on it is probably very, you know, skewed towards the positive just because I actually got like countless hours of enjoyment out of that game, even if it didn't really deserve it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I completely hear what you're saying. And I think this is due to the fact, like I said, when it came out, it was just another game. It wasn't a bad game. Yeah. It was just another game. Uh, there were so many words. I mean, if you look back at it, a lot of people loved, including myself, Sonic Adventure when it was released for uh, the Dreamcast in 1999, you know, September 9th, 1999. And everyone loved that game and it was, everyone looked through its flaws. If you go back and you play it today, you know, with the ability of hindsight, with the ability of much better games being created after it, you can go back and look at it critically and say Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2 are not good games. They just are not good games. Um, However, Escape from the City is one of the best um, video game songs ever, and I will fight anyone who says otherwise. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But that's the same with Castlevania for the for the N64 is it had a great soundtrack. 
And at the time, we were willing to put up with a lot more of its bullshit just because it was par for the course. Uh, it was it was exciting because you were seeing a franchise that we loved get into the 3D realm and we were seeing what it, it could do in 3D. And at the time, it wasn't a horrendous effort. It wasn't like it was the worst thing ever. It was just another game. We knew it wasn't as good as Zelda. We knew it wasn't as good as Mario, but we knew it was a 3D Castlevania game and it was comfort food. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in retrospect, you know, you can look at it and be like, well, Castlevania is kind of like, you know, one of the pillars of, uh, of, well, I guess Nintendo, but I mean, of course it's been on other systems, but for a while that was one of the, the big name titles. Right. And, Comparatively, yeah, I mean, you would have thought that uh, Castlevania's first foray into the third dimension would have been as wildly successful as Mario and Zelda, because those both were amazing. And comparatively, you know, Castlevania 64 was not. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, at, at the time it was it was a it was a mediocre game. And had it been, I think, had it been any other title like if castlevania wasn't slapped on there it probably would have been very quickly forgotten oh very quickly forgotten i thought you're going to go another direction but yeah 100 percent. i think if that was called anything else like if it was called lords of shadow with no castlevania on it much like other games uh we would have completely <laughs> relegated to the obscurity of history um it would be mm-hmm. like glover you know how many people remember glover oh god well, I remember Glover, but I think that's just we're just old. But you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you you talk to someone modern about, you know, uh, anyone who's hip to the N64, you might get some people because I think Glover's better than a lot of people say it is. Uh well, mm. a lot of people actually say it's pretty good who's played it, but you talk to your All right, well, 64- keep, keep keep an eye out for our future Glover episode. I have the copy of Glover while you're at it while you're bullshitting. In any case, <laughs> uh a lot of people say uh but they recognize it because it's Castlevania. They recognize it because of the namesake. They recognize it because of its legacy and its history and, and what it has put to the overall gaming culture. But going back to what I originally said about uh, Symphony of the Night, yeah, it's, it's weird that Symphony of the Night feels like a more modern, more polished game. It feels like it was released 10 years after Castlevania 64. And Symphony of the Night was released two years before Castlevania 64. Like, if you go back and play those games side by side, I think to the average person, if you don't tell them when these games were released, if you don't tell them what systems they came out on, I could not blame somebody for thinking that Castlevania 64 was released much earlier than Symphony of the Night. Yeah, no, I, well, and so here's the thing, right? And I, I know you know this, but that's a good point. Um, but it's also because Symphony of the Night was a 2D Castlevania, of which they had many, many years to, you know, refine and perfect that particular formula. Now, granted, there were a lot of new things that got introduced in Symphony of the Night that previous 2D titles in the series did right. not have. But um they had had a lot of time to really get that, at least the fundamentals of it, right. And that's why it's such a polished experience. Now, you go to Castlevania 64 and this was the first generation of consoles that were fully three-dimensional and polygonal. So like granted, even though they had already put out Super Mario and, and Ocarina of Time, um, one would probably suppose that this game was at least in some part being developed in parallel with those two. Uh, so, you know, this was 
the series and and I guess Konami's and I could be totally wrong on that at least for that particular console market but Konami's first kind of like foray into um, 3D for for this style of gameplay and frankly it, I get where they're coming from I think because that's it's the same problem that most of the other titles had is how do you translate the gameplay from a two-dimensional space that everybody's so used to into a three-dimensional space and still have it be familiar enough for it to make sense to series veterans, but also work in that, you know, with that extra dimension added. And eh, they, they kind of missed the mark a little bit on it because it's really, it's really hard to translate that. I mean, like I said, three-dimensional platforming sucks. I mean, we could also end up talking about how I think uh, first-person platforming is also hot garbage, and as much as the original Half-Life is an amazing uh, masterpiece of a game, jumping flash—it's yeah—it's jumping sections were atrocious. But I mean, let's let's just be honest: jumping flash was not a bad th- uh, first-person platformer. You know, I mean, like I say first-person platformers. I agree with you; they're shit. Yeah. Uh, but going back to okay, this is his first foray for Konami. That that's I don't buy it because. <laughs> First of all, Metal Gear Solid was released the same year as... Actually, it was released in 1998. Metal Gear Solid was released in 1998. It's the 20th anniversary of Metal Gear Solid. That's a 3D game. Full 3D game. Released for the PlayStation. Yeah, but it's... I mean, it's like a more slow, tactical kind of game, is it not? Uh, Sure, you can make that argument and say that it's a slow, tactical game and it's based on stealth. But you had the environments... You had the idea of what an environment could be. And they had close quarter combat. You add a whip, you add skeletons, you have a, a basis for an experience. You go less than a year from release, or a little bit more than a release from Castlevania 64, and you go to uh, sort of the berserk Guts' Rage for the Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. And you have a game that could almost be Castlevania. And that was made by Yukes, uh, uh, right? Not Konami. Didn't have the money that Konami did. Uh, published by Eidos. And released for a Dreamcast, and it almost looks like a budget game. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Sword of the Berserk is a masterpiece. But I'm saying is is so far beyond where Castlevania 64 is. It's a better yeah. Castlevania game than Castlevania 64 is. And it's only released, like, within a year of that game for the Dreamcast. So, the effort to get it there. And you're right. It had a template of Ocarina of Time. And it was at least, it had to have been at least in early development when Ocarina came out. It hadn't right. even started development when Super Mario 64 came out. So the templates were there. I just, I don't know if they put enough budget, effort, or whatever into it, but they didn't put it into it, at least initially. So having said all of that, um, there, you know, there are a lot of things that I think the game could have done better. But so what was, if you had to pick something or a couple of things, if you've got a few, but, uh, what are some of your more favorable aspects? of the game for you personally. Uh, I liked how Carrie Fernandez controlled. I liked her character. I liked how she played. Uh, I thought, she, and I liked the fact that it tied into Castlevania three, which I love the fact that Konami's obsessed with how Castlevania three ties into the rest of the series lore. Uh, so for a lot of people who don't understand, Carrie Fernandez is supposed to be Saifa Belnade's descendant, which doesn't make too much sense considering that at the end of Castlevania three, Trevor or Ralph Belmont, depending on your translation, gets with Sypha, and yeah, they make children. Um, 
And Carrie Fernandez is supposed to be the descendant of that fighting alongside uh, Schneider. The other thing is, like I said earlier, the intro is fantastic and the soundtrack is largely very, very, very attractive. Yeah, um, that so that's one of mine for sure. Uh, the soundtrack I thought was great. Uh, and, and the intro to the game is, uh, as we had mentioned, definitely one of the better ones. Um, it does a really great job of, of setting the atmosphere, which frankly, for me, is actually one of the other things that I do like about the game. Um, you know, shortcomings aside, playing through that game from beginning to end, it does an excellent job of maintaining its atmosphere throughout uh, which I really do appreciate. Um, it really nails that sort of, you know, gothic horror vibe that it really ought to have. And as goofy as it is, uh, in, on some occasions, I actually really do appreciate some of the, um, risks that they took with some of the things that they included. Like the, uh, the motorcycle skeletons, for example, are fucking dumb as hell. They're but- great but they're amazing. <laughs> they are. I, yes. Uh, like even, even as a child, when I was playing this and saw that for the first time, I mean, other than my initial reaction of like, Oh shit, where did these come from? I'm going to die. The, the, the other one was even at that young age, I was like, mm, this doesn't seem right. Like this, this is supposed to be some like medieval time period with like swords and, and whips and castles and stuff. How did we get like bone cycles? But you know what? I rolled with it. That's no pun intended. That's a bad pun. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, really terrible. Um, but no, I, I actually really enjoyed that. And um, as far as I can recall, because I haven't played through the whole thing in in recent times, but I I, I also liked the the characters that they included, and the boss fights were were pretty decent. Um, I can't recall too many, like, super unfair things. Uh, the, of course, the, the final boss is a, a bitch, if I recall correctly. But, um, but yeah, I, I think the atmosphere and some of the leaps they took with some of the inclusions were probably my two highlights, for sure. Okay. So, here, here's a take. Do you want to hear my, my kid's opinion on Castlevania? All right, let's let's get that hot take. I'm gonna get the hot take. Let me let me see if I can bring him in. One second. (laughs) All right, everyone. My uh, son Christian has played Castlevania for the Nintendo 64 recently. He is 10 years old, so he has a fresh take. He wasn't alive, obviously, at its release back in 1999. So uh, I'm gonna ask Christian. Christian, come over here. Christian. Okay. I want you to tell everyone what you thought of playing Castlevania for the Nintendo 64. What's your thoughts about it? I think it is really good so far. I have not beat it yet, so um, it's good. I like it. What do you like about it? Um, the gameplay itself, just. <laughs> you like the gameplay? Yes. Woo! <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Christian, Christian, you couldn't even figure out how to you, like you, you. You had problems trying to climb up like walls and stuff like that, and, and hitting the candles on on the ground and stuff. So you're telling me you like the gameplay. If you don't like it, it's fine. Like everyone, let everyone know you didn't like it. I'm just really used to the D-pad. You're used to the D-pad, and you didn't yes. like so the controller. You didn't like using the controller. No, it was like the it was like the circle in the middle. It's it's kind of slippery. So the analog controller is slippery. Yes. So you're so you're calling the game very very slippery in terms of control. <laughs> 
How about fighting enemies? Was fighting enemies easy? Yes. You thought uh, killing the the skeletons on the motorcycles was fun? Um, I, I. The silence <laughs> is deafening. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I don't I, know what to say about this. <laughs> All right, so uh, hot hot takes from from a new generation. Yes, the, the hot takes from the Fortnite generation. Thank you, Christian. Your input is appreciated. Thank you very much. Thank you for participating on today's podcast. Okay. All right. <laughs> so what I what I gathered from that is, um, I don't know. It's it's kind of fun, um, but it's it's confusing, and I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> what he's saying is, it'd be a good game if it wasn't on the sixty four. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we'll do the 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 controller thing. That's just that's just an issue in and of itself. Like I, I'm surprised that I was I got as proficient with that monstrosity as I did. Uh, I, but, I mean, uh, looking back at it, like it's a great functional controller for a 3D game that doesn't require a second analog stick. Yeah, but it's so weird though. Like I mean, I I, I personally would have made the argument that you could have gotten rid of the D-pad completely and just put the left analog stick up on the left side and just made it like a regular ass controller, and it probably would have been better. But yeah, I mean. <laughs> Thus, the GameCube. Yeah, yeah, actually. I mean, functionally, you don't you don't really use the D-pad for much of anything in most N64 games, at least not the ones that I remember playing. Uh, Mischief Makers. Well, I didn't play that, so oh. there you go. So I guess <laughs> that that's actually a good kind of segue, I suppose, because, uh, you know, we, we usually like to talk about whether or not the, uh, the item in question holds up today or not, <laughs> and... It sounds to me like someone from the the younger generation playing it now is a let's go with tepid yes, tepid um, yes, <laughs> very in tepid. that in, in that it's playable, um, and I think that's probably the best you can say about it. Mm-hmm. I I for my myself, this is of course a hundred percent bias as you probably should expect mm-hmm. given my uh, experience with the game, but. I, I can still totally go back and play it today just fine. I mean, granted, the the parts that frustrated me when I was a kid certainly still frustrate me now, and perhaps even more so because it's, you know, I've got 8,000 other quality games that I could be playing rather than trying to, like, furtively hold on to a damn cliff in this game and falling to my death. But, uh, but yeah, yeah I, it, it holds up in that... I think it's just as mediocre overall as it was back then. Like, the only thing that probably aged poorly, much like the rest of the N64 library, is the graphics. I mean, it's it's like trying to play a video game through, like, a dirty fish tank. Well, yeah. Um, so my opinion is, is not as biased as yours, as much as I do love uh, Castlevania for the 64. Um, if you're playing on original hardware, the biggest gripe I have with it is that it requires a memory card. There's no reason for that. It's on a cartridge. That was, I think, one of the reasons. Well, it's not with all reason Nintendo stayed with cartridge, but it was definitely a benefit to having a cartridge-based system is that you didn't have to have a memory card. And you need a memory card to save your data for Castlevania, which is... I. Just stupid. Um, yeah. They- so actually, on on that point, real quick, can you uh, for for the folks that you know didn't play this or weren't around when that was a thing, um, mm-hmm. explain where where do you put the the memory pack in an N sixty four in the controller? 
Ah, in the back of the controller, you say. Like the Dreamcast. And where would you put a rumble pack if you wanted to use one? In the same slot. Oh, so what you're saying, Chris, is that you cannot use both of those at the same time. That's correct. Hmm, funny that. I don't even remember if Castlevania 64 is rumble pack compatible. Uh, I actually don't know. I mean, probably not, because otherwise you wouldn't be able to save your game, right? Well, uh, there were games for Nintendo 64 I remember pretty explicitly using, being able to use both. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember which ones, but you could swap out your memory card, put your rumble pack in, and then swap it back out. It's not a pain in the ass, but you could do it. So I, I just can't remember whether or not you could use the rumble pack with Castlevania. Um, mm. but the simple fact it was cartridge based, one of the benefits to being cartridge based, as you saw from almost every first party release, that you could save your data on the cartridge and you didn't True. need a memory card. I don't even know why the N64 had an external memory card. Like, that should have been a selling point that you had over the Saturn and uh, the PlayStation. Mostly a PlayStation, because the Saturn had inter- internal memory that you could save to a bat- uh, an internal battery. So it Yeah, definitely... I'm trying to remember what I used my memory pack for other than Castlevania. I think I actually still have my original memory pack. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say Perfect Dark, I think. I might have needed to save my games of Perfect Dark on that thing. That would be could terrible. be wrong. Because you didn't in Goldeneye. You didn't in Goldeneye. Yeah, but to be fair, you also didn't need the uh, expansion thing for Goldeneye either, but you did need it if you wanted to play the single-player campaign for Perfect Dark. So True. Yeah. Um, but moving on from the memory card in terms of it, would I play it today, uh, mostly for novelty reasons, I would say in the entire Castlevania lore that I can think of off the top of my head is probably – in the main series, not the fighting games – not the silly little offshoots at this from Castlevania. I would probably say it's the second worst Castlevania ever made and the worst being Castlevania Simon's Quest because of the horrible translation <laughs> uh, and not letting you know what the hell you're supposed to do without a guide. So if you're going to play it, play it for novelty reasons. If you really want a 3D Castlevania, uh, Lament of Beneficence isn't terrible. Uh, Curse of Darkness, from my understand, I haven't played it, isn't bad. Lords of Shadow is not really a Castlevania game, but it has Castlevania on it, so go ahead, play it, enjoy it. It's not that bad it's, of a game. Yeah, it's a, it's a decent game. It's just not really what you would expect from Castlevania. Yeah, so it's it's novelty. It's If you want to sit around your bros and get drunk on a retro game night and you all love Castlevania, go for it. Other than that, um, if you didn't experience back in the past, you're not missing much. Go ahead and skip it. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, as much uh, of the perhaps unwarranted affection that I have for it, I think that's the same conclusion that I would come to. But if you're curious, it, it's not it's not one of those games where you're going to boot it up and like hate your experience playing it. I think it's like we said, it's just really middle of the road and you probably would have expected more from something with a Castlevania name on the box. But um, if you're curious about things like uh, skeletons on motorcycles and um, the fact that you actually have a boss fight within the first like two minutes of the game, which I still think is actually kind of cool. Um, eh, maybe, you know, I don't know, throw an hour or two at it just to check it out. Say, say you played it or this is an excellent segue. Or if you don't want to play it yourself, um, there is a, very real possibility that uh, probably within the next week or two, given my time constraints of travel and whatnot, that uh, we'll probably be doing a little bit of streaming of Castlevania 64. And so you can uh, you can see us play it instead. And then that way you can save yourself the pain and uh, experience it vicariously. If you're looking to purchase this for the original hardware, by the way, it's still not a very expensive game. Costs anywhere between 10 and $15. 
So yeah. if you have the spare cash and you want to take a risk or at least add it to your collection, getting it for the N64 isn't a, isn't a terrible bet. Um, at least I mean I would probably say I would probably say, and you could correct me on this one, but probably just get Legacy of Darkness if you're gonna do that. Yeah, I, I'm. Hold on, let me see how much that would cost. That would run you. Nowadays. Yeah, I was gonna say, is the is the cost that much different? It, it can be. Collecting is stupid. Um, <laughs> that's right, kids. Collecting video games is dumb. Don't do it. Yeah. Legacy of Darkness will cost you about $45. Huh. Well, in that case, I don't know. If you didn't have any sort of nostalgic love for this thing, I don't know if I'd drop $45 just to experience it. So in that case, just get one of the cheap Castlevania 64 carts and call it good, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you're just looking for that, that sweet Nintendo 64 goodness. And besides, Legacy of Darkness isn't... I mean, it's Castlevania in terms of atmosphere... Um, and name, but the actual gameplay itself is, is not, you're not a whip welding Belmont. I know that's hypocritical for me to say, loving Symphony of the Night, where you're running around as Alucard with a sword and shield, but you're a werewolf, and it's not like your typical Castlevania experience. All right. Well, I think that's probably going to do it for us this time around. So, yes. uh, w- once again, I think we had a pretty good discussion of uh, the first Castlevania entry into the N64. If you would like to get in touch with us and leave some uh, comments about anything we've talked about here, or perhaps suggestions for some things that you'd like us to discuss in the future, uh, there are, in fact, a number of ways that you can do that. Uh, you can, of course, go to our website, which is RetroHangover.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, which is just RetroHangover. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter in 140 characters or less, uh, at RetroHangover. And uh, we are also now on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, same name on both of those. So like, comment, are... subscribe! That's right. Hit that bell. Because... Uh, we are we're we're making ourselves pretty easy to find, and if you haven't gone and taken a look, there's a couple of uh, a couple of vods up there now of uh, myself doing the uh, Doom Iron Man challenge that we talked about in the last episode, and as of recording today, I have now completed two of the episodes of Doom on ultra-violence difficulty with zero deaths, which is a personal achievement for me, as a matter of fact, so I'm actually kind of happy about that one. Yes, thank you. I needed a slow clap for that, so there you go. <laughs> uh, so the, the my goal, anyway, and it probably won't be until you know, a week or so after this recording, cause I'm going to be gone, as I said, but I would like to try and finish that or, or die, whichever one comes first. Um, but once I wrap that up, uh, the plan is to, as I said, stream some Castlevania 64. So, uh, so yeah, uh, anything else you want to say before we, uh, shut this thing down, Chris? Uh, not really. Just, uh, grab your joysticks by the throttle and pull up. <laughs> <laughs>